Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Three Northern Makers podcast. I'm Steve from Steve Bell Creates, and I'm joined by the very handsome Andy from Potato Woodworks and the fabulous Pierre, who is the Swedish maker. So, on with the show. Hello, and welcome to episode three of the Three Northern Makers podcast. We're back again to entertain your ears uh, with all things making and woodwork. How are we doing, guys? I'm doing really good. I'm slowly getting back to life after the heat wave in Sweden last week. That really got me on my knees. Uh, but now it's not as warm anymore, so I'm starting to feel really good. What about you, Andy? Same here a bit. Uh, cooling down after after the heat uh, was a bit of a, a slow week for me uh, the, the last week. But uh, doing good, doing good. Excited to be here again to record number three. Yeah. Well, the heat wave has now come to the UK. It's left Sweden, come to the UK, so it's absolutely roasting here. And I am in the smallest room in the house, which is basically a wardrobe, with no windows open and the door closed, and it's getting very sweaty in here, may I say. <laughs> but uh, you enjoy it to have that, right? Uh, a yeah. couple of times a year. Yeah, it's nice to see the, nice, nice to see the sunshine, and uh, I do like to be outdoors when it's lovely and sunny. So... Good do you stuff. have anywhere near where you can go bathing? Uh, there's, the coast isn't very far away. We have um, Redcar, Saltburn, Whitby, Scarborough. They're not that far away. You can go to the coast and swim in the lovely warm North Sea. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very pleasant. <laughs> As children, we used to go to the seaside and always be swimming in the sea. And now when I go, it's so cold. I can't believe as like a six-year-old, I'd be up to my neck in that cold water, but... There you go. Maybe so where do you go now if you want to go swimming? Um, where would it, Corfu or uh, <laughs> Croatia, Spain, somewhere like that. Not the North Sea. Yeah, so I, I have the same. I, I hate cold water, at least for swimming, uh, that it needs to be warmer. Yeah, I think it's, it's, an, it's an age thing. Yeah, probably. So we've got some uh, news. We now have our we now have our own uh, Instagram account, the Three Northern Makers on Instagram. So please uh, check us out and follow us for updates and all things woodworking and making concerned. So that's exciting stuff. Any other news? Yeah, I think uh, we we brought it up already last time for the first time. Our uh, our charity build or how we gonna how we called it with uh, with the yeah. f- funny spelling or me me writing it wrong initially uh so on on that we 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 finalized the deal with our sponsor uh and we are uh, able to to uh name it by now so it's uh, it's our, our sponsor for this for this project is calexico wood they are a uh, wood dealer here in sweden they have all type of different species of wood that you can buy they have it rough, but also uh, sawn to size. So it's very, very convenient to get it. They ship all across Sweden. Uh, they also have their their uh, two warehouses in in Gothenburg and in Stockholm for for pickup. And we're super excited to have them on board for for this project and and build actually a chair together. Since both of you, Pierre and Steve, you you wanted to build a chair uh, and uh, i mean i i have nothing against that as well so it's super super exciting to to do a collab project 
I don't know how have you guys ever ever done something collaborative when it comes to woodworking, or is that your first time as well? Yeah, well, I've never done anything like this before, no. So it's the fir- first time for me, um, and especially overseas as well. You know, doing something internationally, I've never done anything like that before. No, me neither. The only thing I can remember is like my father, when I was trying to make something in his workshop and he would come out and see me doing something wrong, he would like scuff me to the side and just say, watch this. (laughs) (laughs) And then he would do it and like complete it as well. So it's good that we're far away from each other. Yeah, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Cool. So yeah, I, and I think we are we are currently in the stage that we have all started doing some designs on our own. We haven't well, we have we have shared uh, some pictures, but we haven't really talked more about uh, our designs or if we want to narrow it down to certain designs and and maybe also bring it up on Instagram for for our listeners to to see them and maybe also give give some comments and, and maybe also a, a bit of a voting on on what they would feel is a good share. Yeah, I mean, um, Pierre set us some homework in the last episode, didn't he? Have three three chairs by t- the next morning. Yeah, and, and you uh, actually did complete the homework. I did. I did three chairs. Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> yeah, Pierre did one very good chair. Oh, thanks. Well, I started that same morning in Fusion and just uh, drawing some shapes that I liked. So. They're not, I haven't done them to the point where you could like, like print the plants and, and build the chairs, but just, just drawing them. I'm very interested on your process when it comes to fusion. I mean, are you, are you having everything in your mind and then you start sketching it out in fusion or you really do some sketches first on paper or how, how do you, how do you go when you're doing that? No, I don't, I don't do anything on paper. I actually tried that same night after we did the podcast last week to draw on paper because I didn't have my computer with me and I'm I'm so bad at drawing so that's something I, I need to work on because I like the romantic idea of just sitting down beneath a tree drawing something but the perspectives I mean the perspectives when I'm drawing they look like a, my daughter is much better than me and she's 10 years old so I start in fusion with like uh, some curves like spline curves and then I move the dots around to see to find the shape I like and I also add some kind of lines like I I I think the seat for a chair should be around 45 centimeters from from the floor so I I do some lines to see where I have like 45 centimeters and and that kind of stuff so you start from a side dimension because you cannot really start 3D right so you need no. to I start from the side. Okay. Mm-hmm. How how do you go about it? I mean, so far, either I had really something in mind, for example, the wardrobe, which is kind of square, where I, I didn't put it on paper. I started directly in Fusion as well, but that was quite simple there. It just started with, with a box or like a, uh, yeah, a, a wardrobe box, and then uh, I started refining it from there. Uh, and some other stuff I... I tried first on paper just to get a bit of a feeling on on how it could like uh, look like, but I have a bit of the same problem like you, Pierre, when it comes to uh, 
yeah, how, how it looks. I mean, two D is not a problem, but then the perspective. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that is going to be that looks always very weird on paper. Uh, yeah. So it's yeah, it's a bit different. I, I mean, I'm still I'm still a bit new to fusion, uh, so I, I'm. I think I need to try those curves that you said because I normally start off with with some rectangles or some boxes and 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 then take it from there. But I haven't really started with like those those spline curves in the beginning. Oh. I just stick with the pencil and paper. Well, you're really good at it as well. <laughs> but you, you you were cheating a bit, right? We were super impressed when you said pencil and paper, but you're doing uh, it on an iPad where you can yeah, like, so, erase uh, everything. Yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> Pierre said on the last podcast that he, the best time for him is he gets up early on the morning when the kids are all asleep and he gets a bit of time to go downstairs and do some work. And the very next day I woke up really early and I thought, I'm going to do a Pierre. So I went downstairs <laughs> and I got my iPad and my Apple Pencil and there's a program called Procreate, which is a drawing program. And um, you can choose the type of pencil. So I just used a HB pencil you just select the type of pencil and just drew some rough sketches. But the good thing about Procreate is you can draw straight lines. You know, your terrible wonky lines you can make straight. Mm. And so that's why they look better than just the pencil and paper. And you can and also e- get a 3D, 3D grid, right? Where you can do the, you can the get a Yeah, you can get a 3D grid so you can see the perspective. So it, it does help, yeah. And it's a, I, I really like Procreate. It's a really good program, yeah. It's um, it's only available on the iPad. You can't get it for a, a Mac or whatever. It's just a, just an iPad type thing. But it's really good. So um, yeah, and then you can just save a picture. So I just saved the picture and sent you guys the picture of the of the page that I did. So, but I think uh, I might do some more. I might do some more ideas. I think draw the side of the chair, and that'll, I've got some ideas for the sides, not necessarily the back, but maybe the side. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Looking looking forward to, to see them. Yeah. Yeah. And I need to get uh, some stuff done as well. I uh, yeah. I need to refine my very rough sketches into something a bit better looking. Ah, very good. So um, yeah, we're still in the design phase for the chair and we've got to come up in the end with one collaborative design. How how do you guys feel we should proceed? I mean, first I think we should set us a deadline on like when we want to have some 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 sketches ready, all of us, and then how how do we take it from there, like to to figure out which one we're gonna do? I'm not sure how we decide on. I guess I guess the normal or the the simple thing would just be talking about it, and probably we'll find some common denominators or ideas that we like. And you had an interesting idea, Andy, where you said we could, like, once we have the the chair we want to build, we could do some live uh, event where we all three go into Fusion, do a collaborative build inside of Fusion uh, to figure out all the dimensions and stuff. Mm. So, so that we have plans to work with. I think we need that. Yeah, yeah, so that we all have the same the same plan. Yeah. So the same we do plan, it? yeah. <laughs> no, yeah I think one, once we've once we've got a selection of sketches and ideas, some of them we'll we'll probably say, well, it's we don't I don't like this one, I don't like that one of our own, and you know we can we can pick the top three. Each of us can pick three that we like, mm. 
mm. and see if there's any sort of common denominator there, can't we? And mm. I suppose we'll, we'll be making our decisions on A, the aesthetics of it, what does it look like, and B, how difficult is it to make? Yeah. <laughs> should, should that really stop us on like how difficult it will be no, to, to make? No, I, I, don't, I don't think so. But I think, you know, it's a consideration, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, what, what I would really like to do for this build is is use fusions like uh, like load testing or like where you see how the material acts when you when you put force on it. I, I've never used it. I just saw that you can do proper simulations, and I think that would be some interesting things if we can get that done in fusion. But I think you, Pierre, haven't used it either, uh, as you mentioned. No, I haven't. Because maybe that helps us to see if, if uh, whatever eighty kilo person can actually sit on that chair, or if it just yeah. breaks apart. Yeah. Spindly little legs are not going to cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, but yeah, I'm I, I'm constantly looking at chairs now. I went into a, a cafe the other day, and I was busy looking at the chair legs and at the style of the chairs. <laughs> So you put them upside down on the table. <laughs> so yeah, I'm obsessed looking at chairs now. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I think that's the update for for this week when it comes to our our okay. chair build. Our chair. Okay. As soon as we have something to share with our listeners, we will do that uh, on yeah. our on our Instagram account, but uh, potentially also on our on our own uh, accounts that we have, since we don't have too many followers yet on our shared Instagram account. Yeah. And shout out to Calexico Wood for for sponsoring this project. Yeah, I don't even know you, Calexico, but thank you very much. So, uh, what have we been up to this week? I finished up the outdoor projects that we have done through the whole summer now. So we're we're basically done at home uh, with with all the projects that we that we wanted to achieve this summer, and. Then I went back down into the into the workshop, started doing some some smaller things. Uh, I finished the Darien deck chair that I that I had uh, that I made the the one out of ash. Uh, I finished it with uh, Rubio, of course. Uh, I I used a very interesting color. It's called uh, IP look. I don't know. I haven't really. I don't really know that. That wood, or like I have never really used the wood, but it's quite an expensive wood for outdoor uh, decks. Yeah, it is. It's it's uh, very solid. Doesn't doesn't rot, does it? It's very durable. Yeah, that's what I what I heard as well, or, or or seen online. But I've never never really handled it. That's why I could only afford the actual the stain that is called uh, oh. IP, uh, which is. Yeah, it it transformed the ash like super cool. Like the the grain really popped of that of that chair. So I finished I finished that uh, this this week, and uh, now it's still disassembled in the basement. And I will I will bring it directly to my to my customer in uh, in a couple of weeks and and mount it there directly at his at his place. And besides that, I also did a small mini project, or, or, or basically, I wanted to do a prototype for a white tooth pick, like a, like a comb for for my beard. Since we are since we're all woodworkers, and uh, all the woodworkers are having beards, I <laughs> I, was, I was I was yeah, Steve, you need to get yours back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've shaved mine off. <laughs> I. Uh, 
but I started, uh, I was on YouTube and I was looking for like some, like, how do you groom your beard? Because normally when I, when I let mine grow, then it's just like everywhere. And it looks like, like a homeless uh, person, like not, not, <laughs> not really, not really good. And, uh, so I found a video of a guy, uh, and he, yeah, he used one of those white, uh, white tooth, uh, picks for, for like combing the, the, the beard before, before shaving. And I was thinking that's that's interesting. And I mean, since I'm a woodworker, I don't need to go on Amazon or wherever and and buy one of them. So I I tried to do one myself, and uh, I went into uh, Affinity Design. No, actually, I went into Fusion. Uh, I was thinking I do I do a model first and export that to Shaper instead of just drawing a uh, an SVG for for the for the shape. So I went into Fusion and and designed a a pick without knowing anything about it no I, I just found some like dimensions of a of one in a store uh but just like the, the the main dimensions like width and length so i i used that and started designing my own my own teeth uh, and no idea on like the distance and if it even works on the shaper to cut them nor on how thick the material needs to be but uh it turned out quite good uh i think at least i uh I was able to use it. I mean, my beard is still a bit too short, I think, to to properly use it. But I could, I could get it in my beard and uh, get some of the hairs uh, straight. Uh, so I think that, that that's good. Uh, I put some finish on yesterday evening as well. So I, yeah, I, I think the prototype turned out good so far. I will I will see how how that will work in the in the future. What was the thickness of the wood then? I saw the picture on Instagram, but what was, how thick was the piece of wood that you could? <laughs> on, on fusion I, I designed it with with eight millimeters and i thought that's that's quite thin for something to hold in your hands but then i haven't had any any off cuts that were that were that thick so I, and i was too lazy to to cut an or just cut off eight millimeter of an existing like walnut slab so i used one i had lying around and that was six millimeters and i think that was a good that was a good decision to not make it even yeah. thicker because i think six is already quite thick uh but then of course, in like in the front where all the teeth are, I I sanded it down so that it's it's like a bit uh, to get, get having a pointy a pointy edge towards towards the end, and I think that yeah, as it looks, it was a good idea. Uh, we'll see when when I use it if if it actually works. So because you didn't you, st- you didn't stab yourself with all the combs on it, the needles. No, no, no. I mean they're not that <laughs> not that pointy. <laughs> And did you sand all the individual teeth on the comb? Yeah, it was a bit painful because the, the, I think there is an imperfection in the wood exa- exactly in that place where, where all the teeth are uh, because all of them are super rough inside. Like there, there is no other spot around or anywhere where, where the wood is so rough from cutting, but exactly in between all of them, it was like super rough. So if you if you, if you put hair in like like, like not the beard hair, but other hairs, it like it it just gets stuck there. So I had to sand quite a bit. So I think they got a bit a bit thinner as well while while sanding them. And, and what wood was it again that you used? Uh, I used walnut. Walnut, okay. Huh? But ma- mainly for the look. I don't know if it's a good wood to do to do <laughs> a comb or a pick. You did also one of those white tooth picks, right, Pierre? A while back, you said. Um, it's more like a beard comb. Um. Or more like a regular comb, I guess. But mm. but the individual teeth are separated by I think four millimeters. Um, 
And I also did that in Walnut just for the look, but I think it works. I, I use it, so I think it's it's good. And none of the teeth is, is broken out yet? No, they aren't. The first time I did it, I did it with the wood in the wrong direction. So it's uh, you have to be you have to make it in the right grain direction, because otherwise the teeth will just break instantly. Yes. And I guess so make, with the grain, right? With Everything. the grain, yeah. With the grain, yeah. yeah. And what I did, I actually glued two pieces together with the with the grain going in the opposite direction for the handle, so that the one piece of the handle was strong and also the teeth were really strong. But mine was much smaller than yours, so your handle should be strong and sturdy. Yeah, I think if something breaks off, then all the teeth and not not the handle on mine. Yeah, <laughs> but it's a fun project. Yeah, and I mean, I was I was expecting to need to do another iteration, but as I said, I think it looks it looks good and uh, it it feels it it works. And it yeah, maybe I need to tweak it a bit, but that I will the, the future will tell. And uh, yeah, I haven't like there will be an additional project that I'm doing right now, but I haven't really. I'm gonna put a story on Instagram today where I where I talk about it in the same area when it comes to beard because I kind of <laughs> I kind of thought like yeah, I need some I need to do some more accessories or, or things for 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 the beard. Uh, so yeah, stay tuned on that. I will I will upload it today to to my stories. Exciting. And the last thing I actually started doing this week was planning or thinking about extending my my workshop. Um, since it's tiny right now, it's only ten square meters, like four by two point five meters, and my the area to walk is maybe maximum two square meters that I have in the in the in the workshop. And uh, I have some more space in the basement, but it's the, the ceiling is very low. And uh, I asked you guys, what would you do uh, in in yeah? in my place would you would you extend it or would you try to find another location to do woodworking because it's yeah it's two meters high only so it's a bit limiting but i don't know if you have any any tips to overcome that so you workshops in the basement isn't it, of, your, of your home yes yeah so it's very handy that the factor it's there exactly that's that's one of the main reasons why why i have it there otherwise i would I guess look for something that is that is a bit bigger, but the, the fact that you can just run down, do something, uh, run back up that is that is super good. Do you have do you have a place outside in in your garden or whatever to build a workshop? No, not really. We would I'd have to tear down the carport and build an actual a proper garage. That that would be the other idea, but that sounds very very time consuming and, yeah. and complicated with yeah. maybe even blowing up some rock. <laughs> get the explosives out yeah so yeah it looks like the most convenient one is to to extend it and just have it on a with a very, very low ceiling yeah but you, you did say that you could move some of your machinery into that part so you would yeah. have more room where you are now yeah so i i think i would move all the heavy tools over to the other side then i mean it will be still all one room but it will be separated by a large beam as well i mean that's that's the second problem if i do the extension uh besides it only being two meters high in the middle there is a massive beam where the whole house is 
laying on. So there it's in that part it's only 140 high. So I always have to duck underneath to the other side. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, maybe it's maybe that's just a, a charming detail of the workshop. Yeah, I did suggest you paint it red. Yeah, at least or cover it in it, form. Yeah, not running it, running in. <laughs> as well as safety glasses and a mask, you might need a crash helmet. No, I think I, it's it's very visible, actually. Okay, you haven't banged your head on it yet, then. I mean, a couple of times already when just ducking underneath outside of the workshop, yeah. But you get used to it. And by now, I know I just need to walk for a bit longer duck and then it's just coming up a bit later. That works. But I think you said when when we were writing uh, on Instagram that you didn't really use that space now, right? No, I had my... I mean, the, the jointer was standing there because it didn't fit anymore into my workshop. Uh, and and all my my lumber was laying there, plus a lot of other trash and, and crap. So I cleaned that up now, so it would be ready actually to to do something. Hmm. Cool. Seems like a good idea. Yeah, extra space is always good, isn't it? Yeah, and I kind of need it, especially if I want to start doing more filming. Uh, it's uh, it's almost impossible now because everything is so tight. I can. I can barely have a tripod next to me because uh, then I I cannot move anymore. <laughs> you need a super wide angle lens. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and everything <laughs> is super distorted. <laughs> you, should, you should get one of those three sixty cameras, <laughs> just put, <laughs> mount it to the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, actually, I was mounting. I mounted a GoPro to the ceiling because I wanted to do some top down shots. But mm-hmm. then the light were flickering all the time on the GoPro because I, I couldn't even setting the frame rate to a different frame rate. It was just like I, I couldn't film because the, the lights were, were just like five centimeter next to the GoPro and they kind of yeah it ruined the whole shot. So there was no mm. there was no point. But maybe I need to get a three sixty camera. So yeah, that was that was my my week. So this week, yeah, I uh, finished off the uh, tea box. I didn't have to do much to the tea box which was a gift for my wife's birthday. Just a little bit of a polish and uh, I put a divider in so you could divide up the tea bags inside it. And uh, that went down well as a gift. She liked that. So that was good. And I'd mentioned on the last podcast about um, sanding the floors and putting the finish on the floor in the lounge in the hallway. So um, I hired a big uh, floor sander and it came with a, a an edge sander as well so that it goes right up to the skirting boards and around the edges. So I hired that for a, a day. I picked up one o'clock one day, and I took it back. Uh, I could take it back until half past four the next day. So that was okay. And uh, again, it was red hot. It was one of the hottest days we've had, and I'm stuck inside with this big sander. Um, and I tried it out first, uh, where the sofa will go. So if there's any mistakes, you won't see it. And... Um, it was a bit of a beast, this sander, I must admit. So I got 80 grit belts and 120 grit belts with it. And um, I tried it in the corner where the sofa would go. And if you just if you left it in one place, it would go down to the concrete floor underneath. I think it was so savage. But uh, it didn't take me long to get used to using it and lifting it up when you get to the end so it doesn't stay in one place very often. And... Um, it worked pretty good. I must admit, it took quite a, most of the stuff off it. There were still little bits of finish left here and there 
or part of finish left when you'd finished sanding. So then I had to bust out the old uh, Mercadiros and hit it with a bit of uh, sandpaper, 80 grit sandpaper to get the other bit of finish off and then go over it again with 120. So it took it took a while, but um, uh, the lounge, I was really pleased with. It looked, looked good when I'd sanded it all. How good how good is the dust collection on that on that thing? Like, have you your is your whole house full of of, uh, of uh, sawdust now? So yeah, so there is a, there is a story with the dust collection. So my wife was holding the cable so I could sand the floor, and I I was using the sander, and the the dust collection was basically this big pipe that came off it, and you you bought dust bags which were just paper bags, brown paper bags, and you screw up the bag over the end of the pipe the round pipe it had a rubber like o-ring that you slipped over the bag to hold it onto the pipe and it worked okay until the the halfway across the floor the bag came off or half the bag came off and it was just snowing sawdust (laughs) (laughs) we were absolutely covered in sawdust and then i couldn't as always i couldn't find the off button i kept pressing the on button to turn it off so there was just dust everywhere we were covered in dust so we had to go outside and shake ourselves off and get all the dust off and then hoover it up again and start again. Yeah. But it only came off once, but we were we were so bad laughing. It was so funny. Yeah, it was like Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> the uh the edge sander was a total waste of time. A because it didn't get to the edge. And B, um it just sort of melted the finish that was on the floor already. It didn't sand it off, it just sort of melted it. And then you were just left with this like blob of rock hard stuff to try and get off. So that was a total waste of time. I gave up on that for the hallway. I didn't even bother using it in the hallway. So you had to you had to go with the hand sander to the to the edge or Yes, yes. So I used my own sander for that. Cause it was just this thing was just a it just as I say, just melted the finish. And the pads, the the sanding discs just on the edge sander just filled up so quick full of gunk. They didn't sand anymore, so I gave up on that and just used my own sander. Um, so I did that, and then I um, it was either Osmo or Rubio, and we know that our friend loves Rubio, so I went for Rubio <laughs> and uh, I put the Rubio on, and that went. I got the, you know, the, the pads with the, you get like a, a pad and then a blue handle that sticks to it. Have you seen them, Andy? Yeah. I use that to apply, to apply to the floor. And uh, that went, that went good. That went really good. And then I did the hallway. Now the hallway, once I'd sanded it, I noticed it was a different finish on the hallway to what was in the lounge. And it was a different wood or a different make of flooring to the one in the lounge. So I'd sanded all that off and I put the Rubio on and I have to go into the three Northern Makers confessional to say the next day I wasn't a happy boy. The lounge looked fantastic, but the hall, it, it was so blotchy and patchy. It was unbelievable. And why was that? I don't, I think, I don't know because it was a different finish and I'd sanded it all off. I don't know whether it was still just a little bit of finish here and there had gone a bit deeper on this one that you couldn't really see. But I'd taken the big sander back by then. So I used my own uh, merker on my hands and knees and I sanded it all again with uh, 80, then 120. 
And the thing was, I didn't, I'd ran out of 80 grit sandpaper and the 150 size. But uh, the good, the Merca, as, as we talked about last week, I could put the 125 pad on and I had a pile of one of 125 discs for 80 and 20. So I used them. But it just took you four times longer then. It, it, it actually, I think it worked more aggressively with the small disc than the big one. And it really buzzed it off. And then I applied the Rubio again and bingo, it looks really good. So that was uh, a couple of days. And again, it was red hot. The sweat was pouring out me doing that. But anyway, that's all done. And uh, I booked myself on a, a, a Rubio Maker's Day. So they, they do them at the, the place where the, the headquarters they do these Maker's Days. But that's in Nuneaton, which is too, a long way away from me. But they're doing one in Leeds in November. So Leeds is only an hour's drive. Uh, so I, I signed up for a Maker's Day and you learn all things Rubio on the Maker's Day. Is that like, uh, is that, are you on a waiting list or you're getting that if you're, if you're booking that? Uh, no, there, there was places available. So I've booked a place for, I think it's the 10th of November in Leeds. And maybe maybe we should also tell our listeners that we are not sponsored by by Rubio, even if we <laughs> if, if we're praising them all the time. I think it's just that it's yeah we are super happy with the outcome when when we're using it on on our furniture. Yeah, yeah, we're not sponsored by Rubio, but if you are listening, Mister Rubio, you know we're open to suggestions. Um. So yeah. So the day the day sounds good. It starts off with bacon sandwiches. Sounds good. Wow. And then lunch is provided. So. So I'll let you know about that. Cool. And then uh, my poor workshop was in a right old. It was a disgrace, really, because um, there was sandpaper cans and all the oak that I'd broke up off this dresser was just all over the place. So I set about tidying it all up. So I tidied up the workshop. I took all the nails and pins out of this oak because there was some parts of it that had like, very fine pins in it. So I took them all out and I found somewhere to store them all. So that's all tidied up. And I, I'm really pleased with the amount of oak that I've got. I've got loads now. So um, I tidied all that up. So I'm ready to get started on actually making something now because, you know, I haven't made anything for a little while. So back to making. So I've got a, a list as long as my arm of things that needs to make. I've just got to prioritise them and uh, order. And uh, the sofa comes on Thursday, so... I need to get ready for that. And I also, did you get an email, Andy, about the update to the Shaper? Yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah. I watched. I also watched the video yesterday on YouTube on uh, what's yes. what's new, and I yes. I plan to update it today as well. Yeah, I thought I'd do that this afternoon. Yeah, I don't know how long. I it also got that email, but I don't have it. <laughs> 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 I don't know why I got it. They want they, you I, to get one. Yeah, yeah, they want they you to, want get, one, to yeah. get one. Um, yeah, I watched the video this morning, and I have to say that the the cabinet he makes in the video for the hi-fi for the record player that was looked looked really good, didn't it? Yeah, I yeah. actually I saw that already before because he he wrote to me regarding the brass coasters that I did, like Sam from from Shaper. Oh yes, and uh, and then we were talking about brass and wood, and he said, yeah, he's working on a on a cabinet, and then he sent me the picture. Of exactly that record uh, stand, and I was like, "Yeah, that looks super good." And then I was watching the video yesterday, like I, <laughs> I saw that one already. Yeah. So I'd, I'd said to you, "I was good. I've got to make a drinks cabinet." 
to just to store the drinks. So I thought, you know, I could steal some of those ideas and use them for my drinks cabinet. So yeah, I think the front panel is super cool with those forty-five uh, yeah. degree uh, beams in it. Yeah, it looked really good, didn't it? So yeah, so that's on the list. And now you know you can do it easily on tool. <laughs> all the cuts. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it looks like uh, it's a lot easier and smoother to use. Not that it was difficult before, but it, it just makes life easier, doesn't it? So what have you been up to, Pierre? What have I been up to? Yeah, I uh, I actually recorded a vlog yesterday. And for the past two years, I've done just that, like a summer vlog that uh, ended up like a channel trailer on the YouTube channel. And those past two years when I did the recording, I did them early in the morning. I went up like at five o'clock and, and I was home again till breakfast with the family. So this year I, I wanted to extend that shooting time and also make something while I was filming. So I I got up early yesterday morning and I did this whole uh, Casey Neistat thing where I shoot like one scene where I'm walking past the camera and then I go back, get the camera, move it and shoot the next <laughs> scene. Yeah, I, I don't know how he actually does it, but it takes so much time and I don't do nearly as many angles as he does. Well... Anyway, I had prepared leather for sewing a pair of these sunglass cases. So I ended up on this nature reserve with a beautiful cove. There are cows walking uh, and everything is just very peaceful. Some sailing boats. It's just everything is just quiet. And I actually did sew the sunglass case whilst I was talking about what we were talking about last week around selling stuff. Yeah. So I did this like three reasons why I'm not selling the things I make. That was kind of the video. And all was fine. I was home by lunch. And after lunch, lunch, I started looking at the footage and I realized that most of the video where I was talking was ruined by the oh. wind. Oh, no. <laughs> and I had this uh, lavalier mic and... I didn't feel any wind or barely any wind, so I didn't. I didn't think it. It would. You would hear it. So, what are you doing now? A voiceover. So, yeah, I was. I was uh, like crying to my wife last night because <laughs> <laughs> I put in so much work in this in this video. So I actually did try to record last night, like record the exact same things as I said, when I was saying them yeah. yeah, and just putting that on top of the, the clip and it actually worked okay. But the other option is actually going back there and filming again. I, I can't be bothered with that. So, <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do today. Like record all of the small voiceovers and just put them exactly where they should be on the, <laughs> so if you, if you watch uh, my videos, you can watch this next video on Sunday and see if you can hear that the audio is actually recorded after the fact. Yeah, we will. We will see if we can if we can hear that or not. Yeah, yeah I'll be looking for a lip sync. See if those lips move <laughs> when the the words are coming out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like your vlog is that 
it's not a daily vlog. It's still you're still doing that every every week, or how does it work? No, it's just uh, like instead of doing a project video, I just do a vlog once mm, and okay. and publish it on Sunday uh, when I usually publish videos. Um, so it's a new experience doing all of that filming, but uh, it's kind of fun as well, trying something new, something different. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. something I would like to do as well and do more more of this like interactive videos uh, on YouTube instead of just doing something and doing a voice voiceover afterwards so that's something i try but uh i have you as an inspiration pierre of your videos but it's still it's it's so hard i tried yesterday with the with the instagram story where i talked about our our podcast for the first yeah, that time was super good <laughs> that was a massive peak on that baseball cap wasn't it how big is the peak on that cap you had on i think it just looks like that because it's the angle <laughs> so it's, it's just a normal hat <laughs> It's, I, I, I find it very tricky to talk to the camera. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I think you need to overcome that. And then I think then it's just like natural at one point. Same yeah. as here talking. It was really weird in the beginning. And now it feels like, yeah, it's, it's normal. Yeah. It takes some getting used to. I also tried, I have a small drone. And I, that's, that's another thing I have seen on like um, yeah, Peter McKinnon and yeah. Casey Neistat as well. So I had that rigged. And I wanted to shoot while I was driving. <laughs> but I had the drone up in the air. I was sat in the car with one hand hand on the steering wheel and one hand on the remote. And I was like, this is impossible. It will never, it will never look as good. But you don't have like autofollow or something on your drone? Where it, no, where I just, just have that um, Mavic Mini. I don't think it can do that. Mm. I'm not sure really if, if it can, but I haven't checked it. You either need a driver or a drone operator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I think that's how they do it. They have the, like this autofollow uh, function that they use. I don't think that they're <laughs> flying while, while driving. <laughs> yeah. I don't think your insurance company would be very pleased if you crashed the car while flying the drone. <laughs> <laughs> well other than that i am i'm trying i'm doing a cnc project today i drew up a stitching pony for leather sewing um infusion and when when you're doing leather stitching you have two needles on the opposite side of one thread that means you have two hands occupied by the thread and yeah. and uh, a stitching pony is really an extra hand holding the leather while sewing Mm, cool. Are uh, you are you always sewing by hand? Because I think you can also do it with a machine, right? Yeah, yeah. I have a machine. I'm not. I think uh, sewing it by hand is is uh, gets the best result, and it's also the strongest. I think because of the overlapping the thread all the, mm. in every hole. Um. So I I am going to try to cut that out on the CNC today from 18 mil plywood and uh, put it together. And this one can be clamped to a table if I succeed with it. Okay, at least. I was going to ask what it was going to be made of. Yeah, plywood. Mm. Mm. So that's what I'm I'm doing and have done. Yeah, I watched your uh, video on Sunday with your uh, laser cutter. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Thanks. Where did you feel? Where did you? Where did you film that? I filmed half of the video in in Halmstad and half of the video up here in the summer house or yeah. outside of the summer house. Yeah, because the, the backdrop was really nice, really cool. Yeah, it's an old barn or something. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's really nice. And you uh, cut it, the uh, the laser cut the leather. You're quite impressed yeah, with was, that, weren't you? Yeah, I was really surprised. It's um, so the machine is called Orter Laser Master Two Pro, and I previously bought the Orter Laser Master Two, the non-pro version, and um, that couldn't cut any leather at all. So I didn't think this pro version could either. But apparently, they improved the laser. Not it's not stronger really, but uh, the point of the the laser is so much sharper or and smaller so it it can cut i cut two millimeter leather with it um it's like a glowforge would do it a lot better of course without charring but this one actually did cut it so i was surprised i wanted to bring up what we started last week regarding the the selling and and pricing but you said you, you recorded a vlog and you mentioned the free uh, points on why you are not selling your work. I don't know if yeah. we should, if maybe we should start there. <laughs> if you want to tell us those three uh, already ahead now. Yeah, I, I, of course I can. Um, so the first point was um, um, the imposter syndrome thing, where you don't, you you doubt your own skills really, and you you don't think that you're you're good enough to be selling the stuff that you've made. The second reason is that I really don't enjoy manufacturing. So I started making this leather sunglasses case and thought I, I'm going to sell these, like I said on the previous episode. But after making three of them, I'm just I'm just bored. I, I want to be I have so many ideas of other stuff I want to make. So I I don't I don't want to manufacture this and that's a privilege, of course, but since I don't have to, I don't really want to. And the third reason is what we were talking about last week, that there is a discrepancy between what I have what I have to charge and what people are expecting to pay for the product. And I don't we talked a little bit about that last episode. And I also got some feedback from Craig uh, from Craig Norton Designs. And he agreed with us and he had he when he was pricing he said he usually looked at Etsy uh, for similar things and used that as a guide and he also used this um, three times the cost of the material plus like ten percent I think he wrote uh, to figure out the price. That sounds dangerous looking at Etsy because I did that the same I did that as well in the beginning, especially on some of the cutting boards. But if you see for how low prices those products are, are sold, then I can just give up. It's like, <laughs> then there's like, yeah, I, I, as you said, I don't want to manufacture, right? I want to do something super nice, super good, and sell that to someone who, who is willing to pay for it. And, and yeah, if you go on Etsy and you see like, yeah, you can buy a cutting board for 20 euros. Like, yeah. I, you could probably cut through the cutting board with your knife, though, Peter, uh, Andy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, but I, I think they. Yeah, they, it looks very. The, the prices look silly. I mean, there are of course some also like higher price, but if you look at the like the general uh, or like the mass when you search for a specific uh, product, then then for me they feel like super super low. That's what yeah. he said. Actually, I'm reading his message now, and he said 
he looks at similar products and look for the higher and lower price and compare what he's offering to set the price. But how did he also say something? Because you said he adds just three times the price of the material cost. So if if you build something that is super tricky and takes a lot of time, that doesn't really add up, right? No, that's true. It doesn't take into account the the time you've spent doing it. And you've got to work out what an, an hourly rate for yourself. How much per hour do you want to earn by making something? And if something takes you five hours, that's five times that amount plus the cost of the materials. Yeah, that's something that I tried. I, I set like an hourly rate, but if I yeah. then if I if I then calculate the product, then it's like <laughs> insanely expensive. So yeah. I'm not sure if if I'm too slow or if just my hourly rate is is way too high. Mm. But how, Steve? How did you you did those two uh, like monitor stands, right? And those yes. Stands. Yeah. Did you did you use some hourly rate there, or how did you price them? Um, yeah, as I say, when I, I made that, I really struggled to come up with a price. I did what most people would do, and I looked at how much a similar one would cost to buy. And they were about uh, £200. And the material, I, I worked out how much the materials cost me, and then I, I basically um, doubled it and added a little bit. And that's how much I charged. And I think if I if I was if I was to sell one again, I would sell it for more than I did. Not a lot more, maybe twenty pounds more. But uh, it was difficult because I know the I know the guy that I made it for, and so there's that sort of emotional thing about it. Is it is he's not quite a friend. He's a friend of my son's, and do I really want to ask an awful lot of money from a young man for something? But if he was to go to the shop and buy one, he'd have to pay. 200 220 pounds to buy one mm. no i mean i know that feeling especially if you know someone and i sold quite some stuff already to yeah. people people yeah. i know and then it's always like yeah what what should i tell them that they don't yes. feel that i'm i'm ripping them off ripping them off the, yeah but also getting getting a, a fair amount for myself yeah and i have the same thing with uh, like you and both Pierre mentioned about um, repetition and, and mass making things. Because I made those uh, Santa boards at the very beginning when I started uh, with the shaper and making things. And I made uh, a couple for friends' children. And then they sort of bombarded me saying, oh, can, we, can, we, can you make one for my sister's kids? Can you make one for so-and-so? You should sell these. And, you know, but then it was... Oh, can you change the design and do this and do that? And I thought, no, I can't. No, I, I don't want to do that. You know, and I like to try and test myself and challenge myself. So I always want to make something different each time, rather than the same thing. My my current approach is that I do something and then I try to sell that piece or whatever. Uh, yes, like, like I did with the Darren Deck chair. I did one for myself because. My wife wanted one. And then after I did that, I had so many people asking, can you do one for me as well? And I said, yeah, I want to do a second one anyways because I thought this is only a prototype. So I said, I'm going to do an Ash one uh, also for myself. But now after I finished it, 
I, I asked some of the guys who said they want one if they really want one and said, yeah, I want it. It's <laughs> like, okay, yeah. cool. And then I was, and I, and I was struggling again with the price. Like, how should I price it? And then at the same time, I had a guy reaching out to me on Instagram, like a guy who is actually a carpenter and, and like living, living from doing stuff. And he said, how long did it take you to build the chair? Because I had a customer asking me for three of those chairs. I said, yeah, I think it, it took me maybe five hours or something like that. I didn't really remember because I didn't do it in one piece. And then I asked him, like, how much do you charge your customer for one of those chairs? And he tells me 5,000 Swedish crowns. <laughs> <laughs> so that's about like 500, uh, what is this? Five, yeah, 5,000 Swedish crowns is about 500 pounds or something like that. Okay, yeah. And I was like, whoa, or, or are you doing it out of mahogany? He said, no, pine. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and does he sell many of those? I don't know. I mean, he. I mean, he, it's not. It's not his, a product of him. Like the, the the customer, like a customer asked him to to replicate an old one because they, I think they had an old one that that broke, and he, he they just wanted three more. And yeah, he he priced one of them for five thousand crowns. And then I was like, yeah, okay, maybe I I need to hire my prices a bit as well since. I mean, it's built out of of solid ash, yeah, and uh, yeah, where the material cost is already, yeah, quite much higher than 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 pine. And there there is also a certain satisfaction if if somebody is willing to pay for something you've made. It's like you know, they appreciate what you've done, and it sort of validates you as a maker, doesn't it? Really, if someone wants to offer money to buy it. Yeah, if it's a fair price. If it's a fair price, obviously, yeah, yeah. But again, I'm I'm also like you said, I I don't want to start uh, producing stuff or like mass producing stuff. That's uh, yeah. I think then then things are getting getting boring. But just one off pieces that you make and then you sell it. Yeah. Or maybe also two or something. Like that. Two, yeah, That's, yeah. Or or I mean, I, I think I would do another chair in a while. It's just I don't want to sit in the basement and just do one chair after another. Yeah. It's also about time, isn't it? Because if if you do that, you won't have time to to do what you really want to do. Exactly. And then you get the pressure of people saying, you know, I want five chairs. Then you've got the pressure of building five chairs by a certain time. Mm-hmm. And then you end up not doing other things that you enjoy to make the five chairs. And I think a thing also that I learned when when you really want to do or if someone is asking you for something to do, like agree on the price before, and then and, yes. and then it's easier because then both both parties know what it will cost instead of just doing it, and then you kind of negotiate the price later on, uh, yeah. especially with someone that you know. Yeah, it's still tricky, isn't it? But I agree with you, Steve, that it's even harder when it's people that you know, especially family. I think sometimes. Yeah, because that—that's where I get the most requests, really. Like, oh, I saw your cutting board. Can you make me one of those? Like, if it's my grandmother, it's really hard saying no, can't. <laughs> but is it not even harder saying yeah, you can, but you have to pay for it? <laughs> yeah, maybe for Christmas. Yeah, family and friends, because that's they're the, they're the people that see what you've made most, aren't they? Really. Yeah, and then um, we're back to the old IKEA thing. You know, I can get it from IKEA for twenty pounds. Why are you charging me one hundred and fifty pounds? Yeah, right. 
And I think it's also tricky if you sell it to friends or family and it would break for whatever reason, right? Yes. And and then it's like, I paid you, I don't know how much, and now it's... now It's, it's firewood. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then you always have this this weird relationship with that person because you you took money for something that that broke, right? Yes. Yeah. And I suppose there's the other situation if if it's a stranger or somebody and the, you agree to make something for them and you agree a price and then you make it and then they say that's not what I ask for. It's too big. It's too small. It's not the right wood, or I don't like it. Well. Tough, you asked me to make it, I won't pay for it. <laughs> so I think that's why you need to take a down payment. Yeah. Before you start. Yeah. And agree everything that there is to, you know, the size, the shape, the wood. Have that, you should really write that down and, you know, agree to it then. So can we buy your sunglass cases now, Pierre? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> unfortunately not. I've made three pairs and uh, one was for me. The other one was for my wife and I actually have one leftover pair that I haven't decided what to do with yet. Uh, but I am still considering making more of them down, down the line. I probably won't, but I'm saying it now anyways, uh, to sell, but I'm, uh, I'm selling the plans for, so that other people can make them instead. Yeah. Cool, because I think that that's the next tricky question. How do you price a plan? Uh, well, that's really hard as well. I've been the previous plans that I've posted. I've sold them really cheap, like the the maximum I think is five dollars, and I think I might raise that price for for this project, uh, maybe ten dollars. Mm. I'm not I'm not sure how to price it because, well. You could price it really high, but I I doubt that anyone would buy it then. Yeah, again, a very fine line. Yeah, I've never I've never bought plans, so I wouldn't know how much people charge for them. Yeah, I saw. Diff- I mean, I bought once some plans for uh, a workbench because I want uh, I was building one for for my workshop, and I know kind of what I wanted to do, but I wasn't really sure on how to do the joiner or like how to assemble the legs. So I bought some plants for $10, $15 maybe. And the plants were just bad. I mean, like super bad. That was like, I, I could basically, it was basically the picture from from the picture that they had on the website. I could do the plants myself on like <laughs> what, what, what I got, right? Like no no explanation on how they were assembled, how how the legs are holding the, the, the different stretchers together, like nothing. So yeah, if you if you pay $15 for that... You send the picture. <laughs> yeah, no, I think... Uh, yeah, I saw different type of like low cost, but also more expensive plans. I've had some people... I have some plans that are actually free. Uh, there, There's one uh, like a wooden horse I made for my kids. And this woman reached out to me from from the US and they had like a playground uh, that was built in the memory of like two kids that died from a horrible accident or something. And she wanted she wanted me to build the horse for them and they wanted to have it in the playground. And I said, that's that's going to be tough and expensive since I live in Sweden, like shipping wood to to the US. 
so I said I can make the plans pro bono, and uh, and you you can build it or hire someone to build it. So I did that, and every now and then, I uh, well I get at least like three to five downloads from that plans every week, but every now and then people pay like two or three dollars. It's 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 free, but they can they have the option to pay if they want to, mm. and they actually do. So that's that's nice. That's nice, yeah. With a donation, but you do, I don't make any money from the plans really. Cool. It's like more of a sponsor sponsorship, or like people want to, yeah, pay something for it. I think that's yeah. a that's a cool idea. I was I was thinking a similar thing for for actual products. Maybe you could do like just pay as much as it's worth for you. I, I'm 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 curious what would happen, right? If there's just like sneaky people paying two dollars for something, or if they would actually pay a decent amount for it. Yeah, yeah. Most I guess most people wouldn't pay pay what you really want. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to say the minimum amount is. Yeah, but that that takes away all of it. But maybe something I should do once. Uh, just build something and yeah, put it out for as much as someone wants. Not not an Adirondack chair though. Maybe a pine one. <laughs> <laughs> a set of coasters. So for all of you listening, we have reached absolutely no conclusions on pricing. <laughs> Is that <laughs> I think it's it's still we still struggle badly with it and uh, we're not going to sell very much between the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we should. We just need to overcome our own, like what's called, like hesitance or, or like not not daring to judge what we feel is right. Because, or at least for me, that's my biggest hindrance. Like, yeah, I mean, I could say what I want for it, but then I always go down on the price because I feel it's more reasonable. But maybe. We should not do that. We should just go for it. If we don't sell it, then we don't sell it, and then we can still lower the price later on or something like that. Yeah, I think you should you should ask what you think it the price it deserves, and then if you if you do sell it, great. If you don't sell it, then you could you know reduce the price as you say later on. But I think you know it, it's you've put a lot of effort into it. It's your worth and your soul that you're selling. So ask what you want for it and see what happens. So I'm go- I'm going to make something to sell then. And what is that? Uh, well, it, uh, it might be a serving board or something, but I'll make something to sell. Something something easy I can make. A serving board doesn't take that long, really. Do that, and then we see how that goes. Yeah. So I'm, I'll, I might make a few and then see, you know, if I can sell them. Try to charge a horrendous amount of money <laughs> on, on at least one of them. <laughs> And just see if it works. <laughs> okay. The deluxe serving board. Yeah. So, yeah, one super expensive and the other one you can pay as much as you want. And then Oh, oh I I'm not too sure about pay as much as you want, but you know, it'd be cheaper. <laughs> do you have a do you have a place to sell, Steve? Like a website or something? I don't know. I don't have a website, no. Um there are, I, I looked at there's there's a few various options, isn't there, to, to sell stuff. There's uh, obviously there's Etsy. There's another one called Shop. Um, so there's there's lots of different ones. Mm. Etsy's charging like ridiculous amounts, no? I, 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 I don't know how I much they charge. Because like payment fees, selling fees to Etsy, so at the yes. end it's like 10% that goes away. 
Yeah, and then port the charge postage fees, which is why lots of people say free postage, and they put the price of the postage on the item, so then they don't have to pay Etsy the postage mm. uh, cut. Yeah, but I'll make the things first, and then work out where to sell them. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well that's a that'll be an experiment in selling. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> So, what obsessions do we have for this week? Okay, uh, for me, um, I've been watching this YouTube channel uh, that's new to me, and it's called Chester, but it's spelled C H E S T apostrophe E R, and it's a Russian guy that is an upholsterer. So he makes uh, chairs, sofas. He does make some things out of wood sometimes, but it's mainly upholstering. And he he starts from scratch and he makes the frame of the chair. Then he puts the foam on, the padding. Then he cover it in leather and put deep buttons in it. He does some fantastic pieces of furniture. And he also does some uh, restorations on old uh, pieces of furniture. So he takes them totally apart and redoes the joints of... Uh, he did a, a, a footstool. He took it all apart, re-glued all the joints... Uh, made some new pieces to go in where the wood was totally rotten, and then he, he re-upholstered it in this beautiful material. It looked fantastic. He doesn't speak in his videos, I, I suppose. He, maybe he doesn't speak English, but um, they're really good. I, I really enjoy them. It's amazing to see what goes into making. He made a, a leather Chesterfield chair, you know, the one with the deep buttons, low back. And so he started making the frame, and then he, he covered it all. It looked fantastic when it was finished. Wow, so it, was, it was quite relaxing to watch. His mu- the music's a bit um, savage. It's a sort of very modern uh, music, but if you can ignore that a bit, it's really good. So that's Chester C H E S T apostrophe R on YouTube. Check him out. Did you did you also pay attention that we did you learn something on for our chair? <laughs> if we want to build a Chesterfield armchair, we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> But he cool. does some very modern, he did a very modern chair and a very modern uh, footstool, which were really good. My obsession for this week is not really a specific channel or person. I was more very into uh, Final Cut Pro to get better with my with my video editing skills. So I watched all type of different channels uh, and, and videos on, on YouTube on how to color grade, uh, learn the top tricks of, of Final Cut Pro, uh, yeah, basically everything to that makes me a better uh, a better uh, film editor. To yeah, as I said in the beginning, I want to do more. I want to do more videos uh, on on Instagram, but also more more YouTube videos with 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 some exciting content, but also exciting uh, editing and not just like boring boring cuts. So that the, that it's very interesting to watch as well. Cool, cool. Uh, my obsession is actually something we talked about, Andy. Uh, that's when I thought about it, at least. This Instagram account called Per Geet, uh, which is a Swedish photographer, I think. Uh, but I've I've always struggled to take good photos. And you see all these amazing photos on Instagram. And uh, this, what he does is... has. He shows the finished photo, but he posts multiple photos so you can scroll and see 
how he had the the setup before taking the photo and he writes a little text on each thing like this is a refrigerator backdrop for instance and uh, and i've learned a lot from watching those photos actually so that's a good tip for anyone who wants to take better photos yeah i just started following him today as well after you sent me the the account it's also i think a bit dangerous that he that he mentions all the product that he's using yeah because i I just googled like one one light on on, that he used on one of the photos and i think the light itself costs like twenty thousand crowns (laughs) with with the box (laughs) so uh yeah it's i mean it's super good as you said to to take better photos and i'm pretty sure they're cheaper products as well but it's dangerous to look at his products that he's using yeah uh, in some of the photos, he's just using like uh, one light. So, so and like like I said, a refrigerator for a backdrop or something like that. So, it differs between really expensive stuff and cheaper stuff. I think. Well, that's all for this week. Hope you enjoyed it because we had a fun time making it. Please leave us a review, like us, and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can email us at threenorthernmakers at gmail.com. You can send in your questions and comments. We'd love to hear from you. So once again, a big thank you. Cheers.